0: Logan shifted in the driver's seat, ruffled his copy of the Aberdeen Examiner and said, Four across, forbid forever like. B something something, I something something. Steele looked up from an in-depth analysis of her own cleavage. You know what, she said, flicking a tiny avalanche of cigarette ash out of the passenger window. I think I've finally found one of these damn things that fits. She tugged at her brass strap, making the contents jiggle. Logan went back to his paper. There was no way he was getting drawn into another conversation about the detective inspector's underwear. Five minutes to eleven on a Friday morning and the sun was dappling its way through the trees, sending little flecks of light dancing across the speed bumps outside Sunnyback Primary School. How long do we have to keep doing this? Till we catch the bastard! Steele gave up on her boobs and lounged back in her seat. Anyway, what are you whinging about? Three days sitting on your arse in the sunshine, reading the paper and eating ice lollies... You'd rather be running about after DCI Frogface? She had a point. No, we lounge about here till four, sod off home for the weekend and back again on Monday for another glorious week of doing Mm. bugger all. The inspector took a long drag on her cigarette and blew, fogging the windscreen with second-hand smoke. No like we got anything better to do, is it? Bloody Finny. Here we go again. I mean, who the hell does he think he is? Stop interviewing that prisoner. She said, doing a less than flattering impersonation of the detective chief inspector. You're interfering with an ongoing investigation. Ongoing investigation, my sharny arse. Bastard just wants all the sodding glory for himself. She snorted. And can you believe he let Derek McSpotty walk with a caution? We caught the wee bastard red-handed kicking the crap out of someone, resisting arrest and being a lying junkie tosspot. You have to see the bigger picture, inspector. She smoked furiously for a moment. I'll show Finny the bigger picture with the toe of my bloody boot. What do you want to do for lunch today? We could grab a sandwich or kebab. The inspector finished her cigarette and dumped the stub into an open can of Pepsi, swirling it around in the warm, flat liquid. That place in Sandilands. And while we're there, we can accidentally nip next door to the turf and track, have another wee chat with Simon MacLeod. But Finny, Finny can pucker up and kiss my perky bumhole. Since that wee riot on Tuesday, we've had five Polish blokes in A&E with their kneecaps smashed. Someone took a claw hammer to them. She struck a pose, tapping the side of her forehead. Now, who do we know with form for battering people with a claw hammer? Think, think, think. OK, OK, I get it. Colin MacLeod. But Finney, what is he? Your boyfriend or something? Why do you have to make everything? The school bell jangled through the warm, lazy air. Eleven o'clock on the dot. Time for morning break. We're on. Screams and shouts echoed out of the school, then a stampede of five- to seven-year-olds dressed in the standard grey-and-blue primary uniform burst out into the sunshine, hell-bent on cramming as much fun as possible into their fifteen minutes of freedom. Anything? asked Steele. Logan checked the street. Nope, looks like... wait a minute... Blue Toyota Yaris, there, just pulling up, you see it? The inspector shuffled forward in her seat, peering through the windscreen at the little mud-spattered car. The driver got out and wandered over to the playground fence. Beige cardigan, grey hair, feral moustache. About sodding time. Steele clambered her way out into the warm morning and sauntered down the road with her hands in her pockets. Logan locked up and followed her, nipping across the road at the last minute so he could come round on the guy's blind side. Not that the man in the beige cardigan would have noticed. He was far too busy smiling at a little girl through the railings. Blonde hair, pigtails, big blue eyes. You know. "'said the man, hands rummaging in his trouser pockets. "'My doggie's very sick and can't look after her puppies. "'Isn't that sad?' the little girl nodded. "'Would you like to see them? "'Maybe you could take one home. "'Would you like that?' "'And all the time the trouser rummaging was getting faster, "'sweat beaded on his forehead. "'Would you like to see my... oh, God, puppies?' <laughs> "'Jesus, Rory,' said Steel, "'slouching back against the man's car. "'Could you be any more of a cliché?' Rory stood up fast and hurled a handful of little paper wrappers over the playground fence. I never did anything! You can't prove I did anything! I... Logan placed a hand on his shoulder. Rory Simpson, I'm arresting you under Section 5.1 of the Criminal Justice Scotland Act. No, I didn't do anything! I was just... <clears> Steele had clamped a hand over his mouth. We kiddies, Rory. Let's no corrupt their innocent little ears with your filthy lies. Now, you want to go quietly this time or kicking and screaming like a girl? Rory bit his bottom lip, frowned then said, I think I'll go quietly this time. Good choice. Much more dignified. The inspector nodded at Logan. Pick up whatever he threw to the lions. Then she marched Rory Simpson along the road to the CID pool car. Ten minutes later, Logan climbed in behind the wheel of the shiny new Vauxhall he'd signed for that morning. Rory and the inspector were sitting in the back like a pair of elderly relatives waiting to go for a nice Sunday drive. Here, Logan passed a clear evidence pouch back between the seats. A small handful of white paper wrappers sat in the bottom, about the size of pound coins. That was all I could find. There's probably more, but the little buggers weren't talking. D.I. Steele opened the bag and sniffed the contents. Come on then, Rory. What are we going to find when we send this lot to the lab? Icing sugar? Washing powder? Crack cocaine? Rory shrugged. You know how it is, Inspector. Kids these days. Yeah, yeah. Six-year-olds are all Playstations, tattoos and gang rape. Spit it out. "'It's not like it was day, is it? "'Then they'd get in your car for a sherbet dib dab. "'Now they all want drugs, booze and cash.' "'Rory shook his head. "'They look like butter wouldn't melt.' "'A soft smile flitted across his face. "'Rory, if you're thinking about melting butter on wee kiddies, "'I'm going to have my sergeant here drive us out to the middle of nowhere "'and kick the shite out of you.' "'Just an expression. "'I mean, look at that little tease back there,' he said, "'pointing at the troop of uniformed monkeys "'screeching their way back to class.' She knew exactly what she was doing, didn't she? Wasn't going to give me anything for free. It's depressing, really. A tinny, bamf and buchan accent jangled out of the radio. Alpha 3-7 from control! Oh, buggering hell! D.I. Steele fumbled for the handset. We with none over! Then she went into an Oscar-winning hissing noise. <sharp inhale> Aye, nice try. Incident! Primrose Hill Drive, soon's like a domestic disturbance. I've no got any patrol cars free and you're closest, so... Steele grimaced. Sorry, Doogie, but we're in Alton's, miles away. You'll just have to find someone else. You do know these new cars have GPS in them, don't you? I can see you right here on the screen, Sunnybank Road. Pause. Bugger. Aye, so Primrose Hill Drive and get a shifty on. Neighbour reported screams coming from the hoose opposite. Steele gave it one last try. But I've got a prisoner in tow. Some poor sod's probably getting murdered, and you're buggering about wasting time. Steele took her thumb off the transmit button and indulged in the kind of language that would make a social worker blush. Fine, we're on our way. You happy now? Logan started the car, drowning out the sarcastic response. Primrose Hill Drive was a curving line of large semi-detached houses with big gardens and 4x4s in the driveways, sweltering beneath the hot sun. Logan killed the siren and asked Steele for the address again. She squinted out at the street. ''There, on the left, that one. Looks like a building site.'' Two stories of grey granite almost invisible behind a forest of scaffolding and tarpaulins. The garden was home to a cement mixer, a JCB digger, a pile of rubble and a bright blue porta potty A battered green skip sat on the road outside, orange cones and planks of wood blocking anyone from parking in front of the house. Logan pulled up as close as possible. ''What now?'' Steele smacked him on the arm. ''What do you think? We charge in and save the day!'' Picture in the papers, medals, dancing girls. She turned in her seat and poked at Rory. You stay here. Don't move. If I think you've so much as farted while we're gone, I'm going to take your ghoulies off with a potato peeler. Understand? She took out a pair of handcuffs and slapped one side on Rory's right wrist, then dragged him forwards until he was bent double in the footwell. Hey! Oh, don't be such a whinge. She poked the cuffs through the metal struts securing the driver's seat to the car floor, then fixed Rory's other wrist in place. He was well and truly stuck. Surely there's no need for this, Inspector. You know I won't shut up before I change my mind and lock you in the bloody boot. She smacked Logan again. What are you waiting for? They climbed out into the sunshine. The only sound was the distant drone and rumble of traffic on Great Northern Road. No screams. They picked their way through the churned-up dirt, skirting a stack of breeze blocks. The front door was poking out of the skip at the car, leaving the hallway a gaping black hole. Logan pulled out his airwave handset. "'DS McCray to control, and he'd back up to Primrose Hill Drive. "'You are such a bloody Jesse!' Steele took another look at the dark hallway. "'Come on, then,' she said, pushing Logan ahead of her. "'You go first. "'Logan swore and pulled out his little canister of pepper spray. "'According to control, there still weren't any patrol cars free. "'They were on their own. Steele gave him another shove, and he stumbled over the threshold. "'Gloom. "'The builders had ripped everything back to the bare granite "'and started again from scratch.' Wooden stud frames had been fixed in place with enormous masonry screws lining the walls. Stiff ribbons of grey mains wiring were laced through the holes in the joists, stretching out in hanging loops across the ceiling. The chipboard flooring creaked beneath Logan's feet as he crept inside. First left, the living room was empty. A green tarpaulin was stretched over the glassless window, shrouding everything in mouldy shadows. No sign of anyone. Dining room, empty. Downstairs toilet, empty. Empty just the hole where a WC was supposed to go and a couple of plastic pipes poking out through the floor. The kitchen was little more than a storeroom for piles of wood, boxes of tiles, bags of concrete, thick rolls of rockwool insulation and sheets of plasterboard. Logan worked his way back to the stairs and started to climb. If anything, it was even darker up here. It looked as if the builders had started their renovating job on this floor. The granite walls were already clad, doors hung, double glazing in, architrave, windowsills and skirting nailed in place. Logan froze in the top step and whispered, Did you hear that? What? Steele frowned. Why the hell are we creeping about? She took a deep breath. Police! Come out with your hands up and no one has to get hurt! A voice sounded in one of the bedrooms. Curva! A figure exploded out of the open bedroom door. Large. Male. It was difficult to tell much more than that in the dark. He had something in his hand, something long that glinted in the rogue sliver of light. crowbar he tried to take Logan's head off with it, swinging the thing like a broadsword. Logan ducked and it whistled by, close enough to ruffle his hair, before embedding itself in the plasterboard. Logan slammed his fist into the man's stomach. He didn't collapse and roll about in the floor in agony. He just grunted and yanked the crowbar out of the wall, taking a puffball of rock wool with it. Oh, God. Logan flipped the cap off his pepper spray and gave him a liberal dose in the eyes. Ah! Not It was close quarters. Too close. The jet hit and spattered back off the man's face, a mist of stinging liquid that coated everything within a three-foot radius, including Logan. Ah, Jesus! It was like being sandpapered with dry chilies. His eyes were on fire. He could barely breathe. The crowbar smashed into the balustrade, bounced and went spiralling down the stairwell. Steel swore. Clang, crash, bang, wallop. When Logan peeled his eyes open again, the man at the top of the stairs was just a blurry figure, on his knees, swearing and panting. God, that stuff's... Dung, "'Steel shoved past Logan, shouting, "'Police! Get your ass!" "'She smashed backwards into the balusters with a splintering crack. "'Logan staggered against the wall, "'trying to peer through the pain and tears "'as a second figure loomed at the top of the stairs. "'Logan dragged up the canister of pepper spray. "'You! Face down on the ground!' "'The man stepped forward, right arm whipping out, "'grabbing Logan's spraying hand and twisting it back on itself. "'Logan swung a left hook, but the man blocked it, "'took hold of the sleeve and yanked him off balance.' Let go, you bass! A knee slammed into his stomach and Logan's world went from bad to worse. The pepper spray was painful, but this was agony tearing across his scarred abdomen. His legs gave way. A hand wrapped itself into his hair, pulling his face up. Even through pepper spray blur, the silhouette was unmistakable. A semi-automatic pistol. The man pressed a barrel against Logan's forehead, cold metal on hot skin. At this range, the bullet would leave a little burnt halo around the entry wound as superheated gas forced the chunk of copper-jacketed lead out of the barrel and into Logan's skull. The hole would be about the same size as a garden pea on the way in, bigger than a grapefruit on the way out, spreading grey and pink and red all over the nice new plasterboard walls. Logan closed his stinging eyes. And then the airwave handset in his pocket went off, the voice of control announcing that backup was on its way. The man let go of Logan's hair and patted him on the cheek. You are a lucky boy today, he said in a heavy Eastern European accent. I let you leave. You remember this. Then he was gone, dragging his fallen friend with him.